Oh, wow. And that's on a car and everything. Damn. Now on the news hour, taking stock of the storm damage, the wicked wind that knocked out power and toppled trees across the province's south coast. Plus. There are people who think they don't have to pay, and the reality is, at some point they will. Still seeking payment from pandemic scoff laws, with only a third of provincially issued tickets paid, with some still acting above the law. And We knew instantly it, it must have been a bear. I don't think any human could have done this. Bear has... The brazen break-in that left a car mangled and the hungry culprit who left their prince behind. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. The third atmospheric river to hit the lower mainland in as many weeks literally blew through the south coast with a vengeance overnight, bringing strong wind and major damage, as you can see. Take a look at this precarious scene in Surrey at 168th and 32nd. Our CMP have the entire stretch of road closed tonight as hydro crews work to stabilize those power poles left teetering. This is a house, obviously, with a tree through it. It's a similar story in Vancouver. This is West 8th Avenue. This massive tree was just one of many throughout the city behind caution tape after toppling over onto the street or onto vehicles. And at Main and 23rd Avenue, a very close call as well. Another giant tree came crashing down, crushing two parked cars. And the entrance to Stanley Park near Lost Lagoon was littered on both sides of the road with downed trees and branches. The Vancouver Park Board says crews are working to clear all that debris tonight. It is expected to take a few weeks to fully assess the damage to the park. And in New Westminster, a Global News viewer sent us this shot of some damage to the roof and top floor of a home after a tree came crashing right down on it. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. That wicked windstorm and its aftermath is where we begin our coverage tonight. If you didn't hear it last night, you likely saw the impact of it today. Trees toppled, power lines down, and cars crushed, as you just saw. Paul Johnson has our top story. Everybody loves trees. You want to preserve them, but some of them are just not very healthy. How about waking up with this on your to-do list? Luckily, everyone inside Mike Chalo's Burnaby house was okay. But what a mess. We were concerned that one of these days with these windstorms that we've been having, um, something bad could happen, and here we are. Friday night's windstorm lived up to the forecast as the first storm of the season to test our drought-stressed tree canopy. As anticipated, trunks and branches snapped off all across the south coast, cutting power to hundreds of thousands of homes, blacking out intersections, and causing scenes like this one. We're not sure what was happening here, other than it appears to involve a tree and the power grid. Uh, we knew this one was coming, so we sent many crews home early yesterday so that we'd have the largest number of crews available last night to work throughout the night. It's a strategy that appears to have worked. With more than 300,000 homes offline at the peak, BC Hydro had cut that by about two-thirds midday Saturday and were closing in on the rest. For those who may continue without power into the evening, Hydro says those situations are often dictated by the architecture of the grid. They are making sure that they get the largest number of customers on first um, and they'll just continue to do that work throughout the day. Well, the damage to so many trees is a loss. So far, there's been no reports of injuries. If that holds... It's looking like the first fall storm of 22 will go down as 
boom time for the tree removal business. Paul Johnson, Global News. And as of one hour ago, 55,000 customers are still without power across the province tonight. 26,000 are still in the dark in the southern lower mainland, while in the north lower mainland and the Sunshine Coast, some 18,000 are without power this evening. And on Vancouver Island and the Gulf Islands, 9,000 customers are still affected. Just how damaging and how strong were those winds? Let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell with the numbers. Yvonne. Yeah, it was really in the wake of that system that those winds really ramped up, even to Austin. Seeing those gusts over 100 kilometers per hour, the airport got up to 94, Victoria 87, Abbotsford 68, and Pitt Meadows up to 67. So there's that range that we saw with Tawasson being one of the highest areas with those wind gusts. Now we're seeing this cool Arctic air. The next weather story, it's shifting. It's going to move in across the province. Now it's entrenched across the north and central regions. As it pushes its way towards the south, we've got the ingredients. We're looking at the potential for some snowfall that's going to move in across the region, accumulating and very heavy snowfall if you're traveling along the mountain passes those amounts in the timeline coming up very shortly sarah okay looking forward to it things Yvonne. air travelers flying WestJet this evening are in for some long wait times that still have not been resolved the airline is reporting a system-wide outage that is impacting its operations at vancouver international airport kiosks where passengers would normally check in were plastered with messages instead saying they were not in service WestJet says multiple flights have been canceled and many others are delayed the airline says its contact center has been unable to access guest reservations adding it's working to get all systems back up and running but there is no estimated time for when that might happen frustrated posts on social media suggest many WestJet passengers have been waiting hours to board their flights today with some missing connecting flights altogether some also expressed annoyance with a lack of communication from the airline on exactly what is happening more than six months after province-wide pandemic restrictions were lifted, new data from ICBC shows less than one-third of fines issued for violating pandemic health orders have actually been paid. While the province's top cop is promising rule breakers will have to pay, legal experts say enforcing outstanding fines will be no easy task, especially with the passage of time. Kristen Robinson reports. While the party's over, the costs are still being calculated, from breaking previous event or social gathering rules to not masking up during mandates. More than 2,900 COVID-19 related tickets have been issued in BC for a total of more than $2 million in fines. But as of November 3rd, only 921 tickets, or close to 32%, have been paid, generating half a million in fines for the province. Beyond restricting somebody's ability to purchase car insurance or renew their driver's license, the government really has no method of collecting unpaid fine revenue. The reality is at some point you will pay that fine. You just took his off. <laughs> you, did, you took mine. You took it. We haven't. 9% of tickets are currently being disputed in court. 40% have been deemed guilty with $610,000 in fines owed. Collection agencies will also be pursuing uh, outstanding tickets. They don't get to thumb their nose at the, uh, the people of this province and get away with it. Just under 600 COVID tickets or 20% have been cancelled or the person found not guilty or are still in progress and neither paid nor disputed. With restrictions lifted, lawyer Kyla Lee says prosecution 
may no longer be in the public interest. The law has no longer been in effect for quite some time, um, and so people don't really see the point of it anymore. The cost of issuing the tickets, the cost of all the enforcement actions, will far outweigh what is ultimately collected into general revenue. At the end of the day, Lee predicts the province will see a deficit from pursuing pandemic scoff laws. Kristen Robinson, Global News. BC Children's Hospital has confirmed some news that will likely be concerning to parents of young kids. It's seeing a 20% spike in cases of respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, compared to this time last year. The emergency room is currently seeing an average of between 140 to 150 visits on a daily basis. Before April of 2021, there were about 135 visits a day. BC Children's Chief Operating Officer says the rate remains relatively low, but staff are preparing to respond to a surge in cases by setting up an emergency operations center that would manage patient access and flow. Typically, RSV only results in mild cold-like symptoms, but it can be serious in very young children or older adults. Across Canada and the United States, hospitals are reporting a similar surge in RSV cases among young patients. That has led to concerns of a so-called triple-demic overwhelming hospitals. RSV alongside influenza and COVID-19. Well, you may have seen the footage of a violent altercation at a comedy show in Kelowna that was certainly no joke to those involved. Now the mother of two women involved is speaking out and seeking justice. Victoria Famia reports. And, and she basically attacked two innocent women whose crime was simply asking them to keep it quiet. The mother of two women who say they were assaulted on October 28 during a comedy show headlined by comedian Steve-O at the Kelowna Community Theatre is pleading with the public to help identify the woman who left her daughters injured and severely traumatized. If you know this girl, for the sake and the health and well-being of people in this city, someone come forward with her name, please. According to witnesses, the fight broke out during the pre-show before Steve-O took the stage and it allegedly started after the woman's daughters told two people seated near them to keep it down. It was two girls. The one girl said, can you please be quiet? And they told her, you know, off. And then the other one, a couple of minutes later, said, we can't hear. And then and then it just started fighting. The victim's mother says during the exchange, the two people called her daughter and daughter-in-law vulgar names and had a drink thrown in their face. That's when the attack started. This large blonde woman leaps over the seats from behind, leaps over the seats and began to start pummeling. First my daughter, hit her twice. At that point, she bent over to try and protect her face because her, her nose had been broken. And this girl turned on my daughter-in-law who was sitting right next to her and basically had her trapped in her seat and proceeded to start pummeling her. In a statement, the city of Kelowna, who operates the theater, said they believe the security company acted appropriately in response to the altercation between the patrons and they were removed without further incident. However, the victim's mother disagrees. She said security should have intervened when the attendees first began getting rowdy and once the fight broke out, police should have been called right away rather than just kicking them out of the venue. Because they sent her on her way, nobody knows her identity. She is not being, she's not, there's no consequences for her actions. 
One of her daughters filed a police report following the incident. However, the mother says without knowing the woman's identity, her daughters cannot yet press charges. Police are continuing to investigate and anyone who attended the show and has photos and videos from the altercation is asked to contact police. A large crowd once again gathered outside the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon calling on the Iranian regime to release its political prisoners. Demonstrators are demanding the Islamic Republic free Iranian rapper Tumaj, along with two female journalists who first broke the story about Masa Amini's death. Tumaj was arrested for releasing songs criticizing the regime, something that is punishable by death in that country. It's now been seven weeks since protests first erupted after the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who died in the custody of the country's so-called morality police. The United Nations says some 14,000 demonstrators have been arrested so far in Iran. People, they don't have no rights in Iran, nothing. He was just singing, rapping against our government and they put him in a jail for no reason. He was uh, kind of leading the protest and it's not just him. It's, there is tons and tons of 14,000 people they put in jail just for expressing their feeling. That's it. There is no freedom of speech in Iran. Coming up, the car that was no match for a Maple Ridge resident. You'll see some, some bare fur and some big paw prints on the vehicle, so it's clear to us what it was. A four-legged resident, that is, how a bear sourcing food definitely found some inside this vehicle. Plus, it's a significant pollutant, and if not carefully managed, it can run off roads into, into streams. The new potential risk to wild salmon in this province, why road salt could be having a dire impact on our waterways. That's after the break. Stay with us. Here's another reminder of just how hungry the bears we share our backyards with are as they head into hibernation, something one Maple Ridge family learned the hard way overnight. Their vehicle was torn apart, literally, by a food-sourcing bear following a scent. As Julia Foy reports, this incident comes just a couple of days after two separate bear attacks in the Squamish area. You got some sort of leverage up here, just pulled the top part of the door down. University of the Fraser Valley student Stefan Hallis got quite a shock when he saw his 2012 Mazda Saturday morning. We took a look and we knew instantly it, it must have been an, a bear. I don't think any human could have done this. Hallis lives in the Silver Valley area of Maple Ridge, which is teeming with wildlife. But this car break-in was a little too wild. <laughs> kind of turned it into a little bit of a pop can here, crushed it. I thought it was crazy. I thought it was a little bit funny. I was like, oh, no way, because who hears of that? Like, when does a bear break into a car? Autumn is an important time for bears because they have to beef up before hibernating. You have to put, um, you know, 24% or higher body fat on, the, on them in order that they're able to reproduce the following season. Recently, two women were injured by a mother bear and her cub near Squamish. Conservation officers believe the bears were overly stressed as they searched for food. It looks like he crawled inside because some of the, the sport drink crystals that our volleyball team gets, looks like he was very interested in those. And as well, my center console, he just tore it right out. A leftover lunch forgotten in a locked car overnight may be what motivated the bear to break in. But it appears the Bruin has been practicing his moves on unlocked vehicles. 
for our cars that were left open, yeah, he was using the handle because he would get his claws in there and pull on the handle and the door would open because all the doors were open and next door they were all open. Lamb says the public can break the bear's bad habit. Firmly tell them to move on. If they're near a vehicle and they're rooting around the tires and sniffing, uh, stop your car alarm, you know, and that's enough to possibly keep that bear from coming near vehicles. The Hallis family says they're very careful to remove any food sources outdoors, but the car break-in is not something they want repeated. Bears and other wildlife, that's part of what makes BC beautiful, so we want to keep it that way. Julia Foy, Global News. Meantime, conservationists are sounding the alarm over the number of black and grizzly bears being killed every year in the interest of public safety. The recent hot and dry summers means bears are often heading towards more urban areas in search of food, putting their own lives at risk. As Heather Urex West explains, wildlife advocates say more needs to be done to protect the animals and their habitat before it's too late. Residents of this South Calgary neighborhood were heartbroken this week after conservation officers were forced to lethally remove a family of four black bears who had been feasting on the area's trash. I was angry. There's been a lot of chatter amongst the residents that we need to do our best to keep our garbage bins in. And there's been so many pleas from our community association and fish and wildlife and just people ignoring it. It's it's. Angering. While killing bears is a last resort for wildlife officers, it happens pretty regularly. And the number of bears destroyed each year because of public safety concerns is staggering. According to government data, in B.C., Alberta, Manitoba and the Yukon, conservation officers have euthanized more than 2,668 black bears since April 2020. When we get to euthanization, we've missed a whole bunch of steps before that, which include managing what's going on in people's yards that prevents bears from being euthanized. With more people living in areas close to bear habitats, there is a growing need for more education and enforcement so that bears aren't tempted by dangerous urban treats. But unattended garbage cans aren't solely to blame. Absolutely, we're facing two crises right now. We're facing a climate crisis and a biodiversity crisis, and they're playing off each other. The heat domes in recent years have impacted food sources for bears. Without available berries or salmon stalks, the animals have no choice but to look elsewhere for food. A Manitoba government spokesperson says the drought in summer 2021 led to a 60% increase in the number of black bears it had to euthanize. Canada will play host to the United Nations Biodiversity Conference later this year, with conservationists hoping the world spotlight will bring badly needed attention and funding so these majestic animals are better protected. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. Could road salt be having an impact on the province's Pacific salmon population? That's what some local researchers are working to figure out. Researchers with UBC and citizen scientists are spending the weekend monitoring streams and recording salmon spawn count at more than 20 locations across the Lower Mainland, including Stony Creek and Burnaby. That creek, they believe, sees high salt content due to salt runoff from the roadway. The group is looking at if salmon row are negatively impacted from the salty water by growing them in a lab. It's all part of a five-year study. It's a significant pollutant, and uh, if not carefully managed, it can run off roads into, into streams. And we think based on what scientific evidence has known so far that it can severely impact the health of the Pacific salmon, especially the early life stages. 
And with that in mind, they're reminding all of us to be mindful of how much salt we use on our driveways, streets and sidewalks as we head into winter. Coming up, standing in solidarity with education workers. The people that we're uh, supporting don't make enough money, barely enough to survive, right? The fight between the province of Ontario parents and striking staffers hits a boiling point, with the federal government weighing in. Plus, the remarkable multi-million dollar gift from the public health nurse turned philanthropist set to save lives on the downtown east side. That's after the break. Stay with us. Following the past few years of a pandemic, the start of this school year was supposed to be the first semester with a sense of normalcy for students in Ontario. Instead, they once again find themselves in a state of limbo as tensions escalate between the province and some 55,000 educational workers on the picket lines for a second day this weekend. The Ford government is pushing to deem the job action that shut down schools on Friday illegal. But workers in the country's largest school district remain defiant, closing down one of the country's busiest intersections at Young Dundas Square in downtown Toronto. David Aiken reports. It was dubbed Solidarity Saturday. Rallies like this across Ontario in support of the union representing the province's educational support workers in its fight with the progressive conservative government of Doug Ford. The Ontario government is not paying these workers correctly. And these workers are the backbone of our schools. They take care of our children. They take care of our public schools. Without the custodians, educational support workers, and secretaries that QP represents, many school boards, though not all, shut schools and are moving classes online. An inconvenience worth the price of making the bigger point for this parent. The people that we're uh, supporting don't make enough money, barely enough to survive, right? And we're from a, a higher economic level in society, right? So we're, you know, supportive of those that make less. Meanwhile, lawyers for the province and for the school boards themselves argued at an Ontario Labour Relations Board hearing Saturday that CUPE's work stoppage ought to be declared an illegal strike that should immediately end. If that happens, CUPE could be facing huge fines of as much as $1 billion for every week its 55,000 members are off the job. CUPE argues its work stoppage is not technically a strike, but rather a legitimate political protest to the government's decision to override their charter rights to strike by invoking the rarely used notwithstanding clause. We cannot have a government that legislates an entire collective agreement, remove, tries to remove our rights under the Constitution. That legal maneuver by the Ford government, using the notwithstanding clause, brought the federal government into the fight. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms cannot become a suggestion. It is something that has built Canada in fundamental ways. But sources in Trudeau's Liberal caucus say it is unlikely the Prime Minister will go much beyond criticizing the Ford government and will not invoke an even more rarely used legal option that allows a federal government to disallow or overturn a provincial law. In fact, no federal government has done that since 1943. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa.
A former downtown Eastside public health nurse and philanthropist has donated $3.8 million towards a new community health unit in Vancouver. Lily Lee's donation will help fund a 50,000 square foot Vancouver Coastal Health operated facility at 58 West Hastings, a social housing project led by the Vancouver Chinatown Foundation. The Lily Lee Community Health Center will provide specialized mental health and addiction care for Chinatown and downtown Eastside residents and is expected to open in 2024. Lee developed a passion for community health care after she graduated from UBC's School of Nursing and worked as a public health nurse in Strathcona. Coming up, we're falling back. Set your clocks for an extra hour of sleep tonight. Plus, when we began, we were one of the only ones doing rebuilding refurbishing of used technology. All kinds of people are in it now. The Free Geek says a bittersweet goodbye. Why the neighborhood nonprofit, which revitalizes used technology for those in need, is closing its doors. That's after the break. Stay with us. A nonprofit organization known for giving low-income families access to computers is powering down for good. For 16 years, Free Geek in East Vancouver has kept unwanted computer equipment out of the landfill by refurbishing and selling older machines at a low cost. The group started with just a handful of computer enthusiasts and has since grown to six employees and hundreds of volunteers. But staff say the business has been struggling financially for several years now and the pandemic made it clear their business model is no longer viable. Free Geek will close its doors at the end of the month on November 30th. The business says it simply is no longer making enough money to sustain itself. It becomes even more um, expensive for nonprofit social enterprises like ours to, for example, pay rent, you know, pay, pay all the expenses that we need to pay. In terms of generating the revenues that we need to keep this, which is essentially still a business, um, keep it afloat, it just doesn't really work. The group will be announcing a number of sales and discounts on their remaining stock in the coming days. You can find more information on the Free Geek Vancouver website. Get ready for an extra hour of sleep tonight. It is once again that time of year to fall back. Keep an eye on the clock at 2 o'clock this morning if you're up, that is. That's when daylight saving time officially takes effect overnight. That means our days will feel shorter, our nights will feel longer, and everything in general will feel darker as we head into winter. The province has been fighting to stop the time change, even passing legislation to do so, but we're still waiting on our neighbours to the south to make the same change in order to be economically aligned. And that means we'll be waking up to an even darker morning than usual tomorrow, Yvonne, and possibly our first glimpse of that four-letter S-word. Yeah, but the mm -hmm. snow could the brighten snow. things. It could brighten things up, Sarah, yes. So we could be <laughs> brightening things up. We've got the ingredients, so we're really tracking a couple of weather stories. That atmospheric river has now pushed its way, but we are watching this cool Arctic air be entrenched across the province, and now it's pushing its way right across the south coast, and we've got the ingredients with this precipitation that's going to move in. It'll be cold enough, and that freezing level is going to be anywhere between 100 to 300 metres, so keep in mind even areas above 100 metres could see the potential for that wet snowfall in the now, overnight tonight, we'll see a wave of rain. That'll push in, and then as we get in towards the morning hours, that's key. That's where you'll see the potential for that wet snowfall accumulating for higher elevations, extending into Howe Sound. Areas near Whistler could see that 10 and up to 15 centimetres in most areas across Metro Vancouver. It's the usual spots, Westwood Plateau, higher elevations that could see 5 and up to 10 centimetres, and that's a snowfall warning that is in effect across Metro Vancouver and extending in towards Howe Sound as well. For the interior, a special weather statement has been issued where snowfall 
rainfall is going to start to develop as early as the morning hours, but it'll intensify. And if you're traveling along the mountain passes, the heaviest snowfall will pick up towards the evening hours. Chicolton, 10 and up to 20 centimeters for the snowfall warning. And along the north coast with this cold Arctic air, we've got these strong outflow winds. With it, the wind chills anywhere between minus 10 to minus 20, and we'll track some of those temperatures cool enough leading in towards our Monday. And those winds northerly sustained at 60 and gusts of up to 80 kilometers per hour. So a big weather story will be that cold Arctic air combined with the moisture, and we are looking at that snowfall. See the sky this evening with up to five centimeters. I advise you to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Heavier snowfall tomorrow will accumulate between 5 and up to 15 centimeters. Coquihalla could see up to 20. It'll be flurries along the connector and Kootenai, but then it really ramps up towards the evening hours tomorrow with 5 and up to 10 centimeters. So lots of snow for higher elevations. It'll be dry along the northern half, but it's a strong outflow winds, especially for the north and central coast. Wind chill minus 10 to minus 20, leading in towards our Monday. And the snowfall for the morning hours likely wet for most areas and towards the interior and intensifies towards the evening. We're looking at accumulating snowfall. Higher elevations, even up to 20 centimeters. Along the island, it'll be similar as well. Early morning hours inland with some wet snowfall in the mix and most areas across the lower mainland. So heads up, be prepared, especially if you're trying to head out the front door for the early morning hours. We're looking at that potential, yes, for some snow, five and up to 10 centimeters. There'll be higher elevations. It'll change over to rain for most areas across Metro Vancouver as we get up to five. Flurries in the mix and then cold, Sarah. Coming days, we'll see those temperatures just above the freezing mark for the overnight lows. Tuesday, Wednesday, 3 and 5 degrees. Back okay, to you. Okay, bright and cold. That looks nice yes. midweek. Thanks so much, Yvonne. An appropriately timed volunteer event was held in Vancouver today after those three atmospheric rivers hit the south coast in just two weeks, including last night's powerful windstorm. The city of Vancouver is encouraging people to adopt a catch basin in their neighbourhood. Volunteers outside Sunset Community Centre were shown how to keep basins clear of leaves and garbage in order to prevent streets from flooding, like what happened last Sunday when the south coast was soaked by rain. Keeping basins clear also stops garbage and debris from getting swept into waterways and that are crucial habitats for wild animals. There are about 45,000 catch basins across the city. Only about 5,100 of them have so far been adopted. It's a great program. Barry DeLay, good to see you. Good to see you guys. Uh, let's talk about sports yeah, tonight. Alfonso Davies. Oh man, this is the big fear. The, mm -hmm. the World Cup coming, that injuries are going to uh, make Canada's uh, road there a tough one. Davies did pull a hamstring today, playing for Bayern Munich. We don't know how serious it is. Uh, we'll find out more tomorrow, but man, they're, they're holding their breath with the Canadian soccer team right now. Uh, BC Lions hoping to have a lot of fans in the building tomorrow at BC Place for the Western semifinal. We have a big story on that, and the Canucks back at it. They have won three of their last four. doesn't seem like it, but they have won three mm -hmm. or four. They play Nashville tonight, and we'll tee that one up for you. As well. Okay, big sports weekend. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. We'll see you both soon. Next on the news hour, though, air travel turbulence. The battle for compensation between airlines and passengers with tens of millions of dollars on the line. That's after the break. Stay with us. Take a moment to reflect. BC Remembers. Live on Global BC and BC One. Friday, November 11th from 10.30 a.m. Brought to you by the Royal Canadian Legion. We remember to honour Canada's veterans. If you are among the thousands of Canadians who've had a flight cancelled or delayed in recent months, a case going to the Federal Court of Appeal may affect you. The country's two largest airlines are challenging orders to pay up to passengers whose flights were impacted by crew shortages. Aaron MacArthur has the details. Post-pandemic travel has been 
turbulent, full of complaints, missed connections, and canceled flights. Many of the delays caused by short-staffed airlines not able to fly all the routes they have promised all the time. Under air passenger protection regulations, Canadians are entitled to compensation if airlines come up short, in some cases up to $1,000 each. But airlines have been pushing back against those claims. According to passenger advocates, it's little wonder why the regulations are poorly written with loopholes large enough to fly a 737 through. What we are seeing here is a failure by design. It was created as a kind of facade. In reality, it is an empty shell. Critics say airlines have now reached new lows in their fight to erode the protection afforded consumers. Recently, both of Canada's major carriers were ordered to pay compensation to passengers when the delay was caused by crew shortages, something the Canadian Transportation Agency says is within the airline's control. Both WestJet and Air Canada are appealing. The airlines in separate statements indicating they are seeking clarity from the courts. Consumer rights lawyers say that clarity could become expensive. Everyone is trying to pass the risk off to another party. Certainly the airlines are making a great effort to pass off the risk of canceled flights onto consumers. Airlines are arguing crew issues should be considered safety issues. According to the CTA, the regulations state if an airline delays or cancels a flight for reasons within its control, but required for safety, it does not have to compensate passengers. Advocates say if airlines are allowed to stretch safety to include staff issues, compensation may never be paid. It really creates a situation where uh, a test for a passenger can never be met. The CTA has its hands full. Since May, the agency has received 16,000 complaints from passengers many of whom could be affected by this appeal. Tens of millions of dollars are on the line. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. Coming up, Barry's back with sports ahead of tonight's Canucks game. Plus... <laughs> Sending out the season of the Monster Mash with a pumpkin smash where Halloween gourds are quickly becoming nice. goners. That's coming up after sports. Kick off the holiday season at Brightwalk in White Rock. On December 10th, join Santa, Elsa, a live performance by the Gingerbread Men, and more fun activities for kids and adults alike. Plus a coinciding sail pass by the International Yacht Club. Head to Oliver and Asoyas for the South Okanagan Fire and Ice Festival, bringing together food, wine, and culture as they celebrate the winter in the valley. More details at SouthOkanaganFireAndIce.com. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by the BC Cancer Foundation, launching the most ambitious health campaign in BC's history. Together, we will go beyond belief. Welcome back. Barry's back. A lot of nervous soccer fans tonight. Uh, this was mm. this was the one thing with the you know, the mm -hmm. World Cup being in November this year. A lot of players are playing yep. really meaningful, tough games before, and the injuries are a definite possibility. No Thanks kidding. very much, Sarah. The World Cup starts just uh, two weeks from tomorrow. Canada's opener against Belgium is just 18 days away, and now there is a possibility Canadian star Alfonso Davies may not be fit enough to play today. Davies suffered a hamstring injury playing for Bayern Munich, but right now we just don't know how serious it is but head coach John Herdman and every Canadian soccer fan is very nervous right now. Bundesliga action for Alfonso against Hertha Berlin. And this is when the injury happened. It looks innocent enough, but he stopped immediately and grabbed the hamstring. Byron said they will know more tomorrow, but it's the nightmare situation that uh, we had all feared 
of all guys, Alfonso Davies. Hopefully it's not serious and he will play. We will find out soon, I suppose. Predators and Canucks at Rogers Arena tonight. It does not look like we'll see the return of Brock Besser yet. He was hoping to play at some time during the homestand, but he just could not get medical clearance as the incision on his surgically repaired wrist has not been healing as well as it should. Looks like Vasily Pudkolzin is a healthy scratch for this one. Canucks have won three of four, but have been very loose defensively. They've given up four or more goals in eight of their 11 games this season. That's too many. NHL today, Connor McDavid and the Oilers hosting Dallas. McDavid, his usual spot at the top of the scoring race, gets an assist on this Leon Dreisaitl power play goal. The Oilers' power play ranks second behind Colorado at 34%. But this was all Dallas. Victoria boy Jamie Benn broke out today. Just one goal this year coming in, but this is his second of the game on the power play. And then in the third, Benn, two-on-one break, rips it. Top corner is hat-trick goal. And the Stars beat the Oilers 6-2 today in Edmonton. Blue Jackets and Avalanche completing their two-game series in Tampere, Finland. Patrick Laine, one of four Finnish players taking part. Late second, 3-1 Avs. They add to the lead. Abbotsford's Devon Taves joining the rush. Gets his first of the year from Nathan McKinnon. 4-1 Colorado. Third period, former Victoria Grizzlies star Alex Newhook with his second of the year. A fantastic one-timer from Newhook. Avs win at 5-1. They swept the two games and their record now 6-4-1. The Lions are hoping for a very loud dome field advantage for tomorrow's West semifinal against the Stampeders. It's been six years since the Lions have hosted a playoff game. And with young Phenom quarterback Nathan Rourke back playing again, fans are snapping up tickets at a furious rate. It's a 1.30 kickoff. The pre-party starts at 10.30. And the Lions hope they give those fans plenty to roar about during the game. On opening night, the Lions paid rock stars to draw a big crowd to BC Place. On the opening of the playoffs, the Lions have had to open up the upper deck and are set to welcome a big crowd because they're an exciting team and fans want to see them play. The Lions are trending to get over 30,000, which is about 50% more than usual, which should add up to 100% more noise at BC Place. I've been on the on the visiting sideline a few times here for playoff games, and it's a very difficult place to play. Uh, very loud environment, as loud as any place when you get a, a, a big crowd here, and obviously that's what we're hoping. When we can be a place that uh, teams don't like coming to because of the noise, obviously we have this beautiful facility and we don't have to worry about the weather, um, but if we can create it where they got to go on silent or you know, it's just a tough environment, I think that's a great thing for us and um, even more reason for us to want to play in these playoff games. The Lions are thankful for all the extra fans who will make it a great atmosphere this weekend, but I haven't forgot about those diehards who've stuck with them and are finally getting a home playoff date for the first time in six years. All the fans who have been supporting us through the years, through, through the ups and the downs and, and the struggles, uh, the seasons where we haven't made the playoffs, we've still had that strong core group of fans who, who have supported us. Um, and we want the fans who have, who have come out this season uh, to come back next year. And, and we want to give them something to cheer about and we want to give them something to be proud about.
If you love football, go buy a ticket. It should be awesome there tomorrow afternoon. Seahawks coach Pete Carroll was one of the few who believed Geno Smith could resurrect his career as Seattle's starting quarterback this year. But Pete was correct in assuming he could. Seattle is 5-3, playing Arizona on Sunday, a team they've already beaten this season. And Geno Smith comes into the game as the NFC's Offensive Player of the Month for October. He has just stacked it one, one on top of another and, and played really solid football for us where we're really counting on him. And, and uh, it's, 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 a really, it's, a, it's a real honor for him to be recognized like that because that's all, you know, when you're sitting there for three or four years, you're just waiting for that chance and you just keep thinking it and going to sleep at night hoping you get up and, and you know, it just doesn't come, doesn't come. And then finally when it does, to, to just kill it, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we'll just keep going just more days and more stacking and see what we can get done this week. Felix Auger-Aliassime taking his 16-match win streak into today's semifinals at the Paris Masters. Felix has won three straight tournaments, playing the best tennis of his life, taking on 19-year-old Holger Runa of Denmark, who he beat at the Swiss Indoor final last Sunday. How about this point by Felix? Goes back. The between-the-leg shot always looks impressive, but rarely you win the point. Not this time. What a cross-court winner by Felix. But he did not have it today. He's been running on fumes. All those matches played. When you get to the finals, you're busy all week, and it finally caught up to him. Runa's a good young player. Won at 6-4-6-2, and he will meet Novak Djokovic in the final tomorrow. Women's Rugby World Cup overnight in New Zealand, Canada, and England in the semis. England has blown everyone out so far on their path to the semis, but Canada stood firm. Early second half, down six. Canada on the verge of going in for the go-ahead try, but they turned it over, and the English punished them. They find some space, and then it's off to the races. Abby Dowd with great speed down the right side. A huge play in this match. England extend their lead to 23-12. Really, that was a 12-point turnaround. But Canada keep on coming, and they power their way in for the try. Tyson Bukaboon gets it across the line. Canada cut the lead to four. But England hangs on 26-19. Our women really gave it their all. England off to the final versus New Zealand. Canada will play France for the bronze next week. MLS Cup Final from Los Angeles. LAFC versus Philadelphia. Top two teams in MLS this season. Tied at two in extra time. AFC goalkeeper Max Crapo, the former white cap uh, keeper involved in a horrific collision, injures his leg on the play. Had to be carted off. His World Cup likely now over for Canada. He's their backup. TV did not show replays of the injury because it was so gruesome. Wild game. Philly took the lead in stoppage time of extra time, but Gareth Bale, the Welsh star elevating for the header to tie it, so we need penalties. Now, Crepeau's replacement for LAFC, John McCarthy, used to play for the Union, and he's a Philadelphia boy, and he stopped the first three Philadelphia penalty kicks. You never see that. So for the win, Ilya Sanchez, and he will hammer it home in Los Angeles FC or the 2022 MLS Cup champions, winning 3-0 on penalties over Philadelphia in a fantastic Cup final. EPL Man City and Fulham looked like this was headed for a draw, but late stoppage time. Kevin De Bruyne taken down in the box. Penalty given. Maybe a bit of a hometown decision for Man City. It's Erling Holland who gives City the victory from the spot. Barely sneaks it past the keeper. 2-1 final. Man City jump past Arsenal into first for now, but the Gunners play Chelsea tomorrow. And again, the Canucks home to the Predators tonight. We'll have highlights at 11. Exciting. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. Okay, coming up, sending out October with a pumpkin smash. This is fun and messy. Stay with us. <laughs>
Welcome back. Okay, almost a full week after Halloween. Now, a lot of people are looking for green ways to get rid of their pumpkins. And in North Vancouver, firefighters are helping some families have a lot of fun with it. Take a look. <laughs> At the District of North Vancouver Firefighter Training Center, jack-o'-lanterns were loaded up onto a bucket and pulled up to the top of the hose tower before being dramatically dropped to their demise and smashed. <laughs> Families also got an opportunity to climb to the top of the tower themselves and drop their own pumpkins. The ninth annual pumpkin drop is not only a lot of messy fun, it's also for a very good cause. All the proceeds are going to our uh, Movember team. Uh, promoting men's health, which is great. Um, and uh, it's a great way to um, bring your pumpkins down here and recycle them as opposed to throwing them in the garbage can. It's great seeing the kids come here. They really love uh, hiking up the stairs and throwing them out the windows and seeing them smash. <laughs> and a reminder to everyone to put your pumpkin in the green bin for recycling and not in the trash if you haven't smashed it already. <laughs> okay, that looks like fun. Harder uh, to hit the target than it appears. I would imagine. Yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> okay, quick look at weather, Yvonne, before we go. Don't forget this evening, set your clocks one hour behind, and then we are looking mm. at the potential for some snow. It'll be higher elevations above 100 meters. We could see it wet, accumulating between 5 and up to 10. That's the range we've put in there so far, but just be prepared, especially for the early morning hours. Most areas, if you're closer to the water, lower elevations, changing over to rain, and it is going to be cool in the coming days, especially some of those overnight lows will be right around the freezing mark. Okay, a dark, potentially snowy morning ahead of us tomorrow. Thanks so much, Yvonne. That's all for tonight. Thanks for being with us. Have a great evening. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock.